You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, who is live in Vegas. And I, Frank, I, I can only assume you're either there for work or you're there to scout Richard Vaughn, who must be preparing for his 12th summer league of his career. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, ironically, so the first time I ever came to Vegas was 2007 for a bachelor party. And then... <laughs> Every other year that I've come, I think I've, I've been here eight or nine times since then, and it has always been for Summer League. Uh, so this is the first time I've been here in not July, and I, you know, I, I, I'm probably the worst person to come to Vegas during non-Summer League because obviously I'm a huge basketball fan, but then I'm also uh, not really a drinker, not a gambler, uh, pretty much just a washed up married dad uh and i'm and i'm here for like a work thing and i've got you know work stuff that i'm missing so i'm gonna have to be working on you know stuff i'm not doing because i'm not not doing my normal job during the day so i'm not like this like training thing so uh so yeah my my vegas experience is going to be super uninspiring um and what better way to kick off an uninspiring week wow. in Vegas than by watching a milwaukee bucks game over the against the orlando magic and podcasting about it that feels like a very uh, very washed up dad corporate dad thing to do but we're here and uh the bucks have won 15 in a row so that's cool that's a pretty cool thing yeah i mean i i don't know whether you want to call this win itself uninspiring and by the way i i just do quickly want to point out i'm pretty sure i read a few months ago that rashad vaughn just i want to wrap up the rashad vaughn stuff here i'm pretty sure he is like playing basketball in bosnia or something right now which is just i I don't know why it it doesn't surprise me that that might be the case but i I actually saw him play g league last year he was playing at a pretty good level but yeah i think he's think he's out in bosnia now so uh shout out to rashad i hope he's uh hope he's getting buckets over there but this this game he's playing for egokia of the adriatic league there you go. Egokia. Yes. Well, it's a yeah. it's a uh professional Bosnian basketball club. So there you go. Maybe what? hopefully Mirza Taletovic has given him some good uh you know restaurant recommendations or you know, well, this is this is clearly my fault that the Bucks have won fifteen games in a row and we started off talking about Rashad Vaughn. But uh <laughs> you said uninspiring and it feels kind of weird to say that. It felt like a kind of uninspiring win for the Bucks tonight, but it's like... The bar just, is so high, right? I mean, so. they they just keep winning. And we spoke about this. There might be some sort of a, I guess, letdown. It's like you come off that that big uh, Clippers win. But uh, nonetheless, the, the, the Bucks again, comfortably, even though the Magic sort of made it close through that third quarter or fourth quarter, you never really felt like the Bucks were going to lose this game. And 
Giannis, uh, again, I mean, it, it's interesting enough. Like, I had some fun watching this Jonathan Isaac uh, Giannis matchup, uh, but Giannis, no, like, no matter what, you can talk about guys that might be physically built uh, to defend Giannis in terms of the length and length in terms of the shot blocking ability. Isaac is an interesting matchup for him, but Giannis still finishes with 32 points, 15 rebounds, eight assists. Uh, he only had two turnovers, although the, the only thing you might be disappointed in is the fact that he, he had to actually play 34 minutes tonight, but uh, two for five from three as well. Giannis, uh, he, he just, I guess, had a standard night for him at the moment. Yeah, it was um, not, you know, barely, barely helping his season averages tonight with these numbers. It was <laughs> nice to see him get um, some some big assist numbers because, yeah. as as you mentioned when we were talking about splits the other night, um, He's really been much more of just a kind of scorer, has not been racking up a lot of assists. That that 15 assist game against the Blazers is really an outlier because he, you know, his assist numbers had been down before that and since then as well. And I mean, a lot of it is uh, you know, I mean, he's averaging 31 points a game, right? He's averaging, you know, four points more per game and while playing fewer minutes this year. Like he's at what, like barely 30 well, I think it was came in this game under 32 minutes per game. So his minutes are down, his scoring is way up. Um, he's obviously, you know, maintaining a really high level of efficiency, even with this higher scoring volume. Um, and it just, it just feels like a lot of like Brooke Lopez being a slump feels like it, it really yeah. hits Giannis, Giannis assist numbers. And, you know, tonight Brooke only played 24 minutes, but three out of five from three. Um, you know, it feels like when Brooke is hitting threes and Wes Matthews is hitting threes, that's when Giannis assist numbers pop. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, tonight, nice to see his playmaking reflected in, uh, in the assist numbers, you know, as a, as a Yanis stat guy, uh, obviously I was happy to see that. And, um, you know, nice as well. Uh, you know, you kind of look up and down the, the box score and this was a defensive win for the bucks, which maybe not surprising against a magic team that has struggled to score all season. Um, they put up just 98.3 points per 100, uh, tonight bucks at 107.1 offensive rating. So, um, a fair bit below kind of their usual standard, but, um, you know, it was pretty much Giannis and Chris Middleton offensively. Uh, they did get some help from George Hill and Dante DiVincenzo and, and Sova, each with very efficient bench scoring nights. But, um, you know, among the starters, Giannis, and Chris, the only ones to hit double digits, Eric Bloodso continues to just not really shoot much. Um, had eight rebounds, eight assists, a couple blocks tonight, but, had a couple of questionable decisions um, shooting the ball. Um, also had a couple, I'd say, good plays as well with the ball in the fourth quarter. But, um, you know, this was really a Giannis and, and Chris win. And Chris really didn't have a good start shooting the ball. Um, but he kind of put in the dagger corner three off of Giannis pick and roll that Giannis read the play nicely. Magic swarmed and with 30 seconds left. After the Magic opted not to foul Giannis, when he got a rebound at 48 seconds left, I think it was uh, the Bucks were up six. I want to say was they were they at five or six? I think at that point, and Giannis uh, gets the, the 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 kind of pick and roll pocket pass going to the middle and kicks it out really nicely for Chris, who buries that corner three. And um, Chris came into the game. I think he was at 49% from the field, 40% from three, 89% from the line. So quietly threatening 50, 40, 90 type numbers on this season and. Again, didn't shoot the ball well early in this game, but came around in that second half, finishes with 20 points, 8 out of 18 shooting, not exactly great, but 4 out of 10 from 3, 
Um, and him and Giannis, obviously, with some uh, some big plays late, including that that dagger and uh, nine rebounds, four assists, a steal to go with it for Chris. So, uh, so yeah, not a standout night for the starters by any stretch, but um, you know your your two best players uh, coming up when when it mattered, and obviously, um, you know, Orlando had won four straight games. I mean, we know this team can defend um, at a pretty high level, and they've got obviously some athletes with with Isaac and Gordon uh, that can at least compete physically a little bit with Giannis. And I think Vucevic being hurt right now, I don't even know if, I mean, obviously he's really talented offensively, but I don't really know if them missing Vucevic actually hurts them that much against the Bucks. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good point. I, I was just about to touch on how weird this Orlando Magic starting group is offensively for, for 2019. I mean, uh, we obviously know John Hammond has his, has his hands all over this roster now. He's been there for a while, and it probably surprises no one that they just have a bunch of good, uh, solid defending uh, guys that are really long. And when when you look at the starting lineup that the Magic put out there, there's absolutely no surprise that they struggled to score against the Bucks. I mean, Jonathan Isaac already touched on. Uh, Aaron Gordon, Markel Fultz, and Ken Birch, uh, four guys that don't shoot the three often and they don't shoot the three well. And then you have the, the one guy, Evan Fournier, who we know has had some big games against the Bucks in the past. But if you're going to put out four guys that are kind of reluctant to shoot the three and don't shoot the three at a good percentage, uh, you're just not going to score against the Bucks. And they were, I think they started out 0 for 11 or 0 for 12 from three, uh, didn't hit their first three until just before halftime, the last minute. Uh, of the first half and and to be honest it didn't surprise me at all like I understand why the Magic want to play Markel Fultz um, obviously if they can turn him into either a, a good NBA player or someone that has um, some value around the league that would be a, a good thing for them but uh, the Magic's best run really came when they were playing a guy that I, I know you're, you're fond of DJ Augustine and also uh, off the bench Terrence Ross who who is who has torched the Bucks in the past so yeah once I got some shooters out there that the three started to fall it's kind of remarkable to me that the magic finished 33 percent uh from behind the three-point line considering the start that they had but yeah this team in general is tailor-made for the Bucks defense I mean they're going to feel pretty comfortable uh against this magic team who who don't shoot a lot from the outside Orlando only finished with 36 points in the paint uh in in this one and and that shouldn't be a, a real surprise to anyone uh they put up a, a bunch of awful looking shots and as much as we talk about Jonathan Isaac's ability defensively I mean he got some bricks up today that jump shot does not look great Michael Carter Williams hit nothing but backboard from the free throw line I think there at one point so yeah look this is this is a matchup that the Bucks like and it's kind of strange to think that Orlando were a playoff team uh last year but yeah the Bucks were able to 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 generate a lot of offense from from missed magic shots and in the end that was enough for them to get there but I even though the game got close in the third quarter, George Hill had a pretty important run uh, of about four possessions early in the fourth quarter. It started with a, with a pick and roll with Chris, where Chris was able to find him diving to the basket. After that, Hill got another layup. And then the, the next possession, he started a ball swing on a, and a driving kick that ended up with a Middleton three. And that felt like the game-breaking stretch there. Uh, when you talk about the starters kind of having a weird night, uh, outside of, you know, Milton had 11 in the fourth quarter, but the bench had some good contributions again, and George Hill just continues to be such a reliable player for this team. So I'll just remind you guys that today's podcast is brought to you by Spotify Wrapped. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top locked-on podcast for the year. 
Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and at Locked On Bucks, and we will share and retweet that one. Uh, hopefully, it is Locked On Bucks. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's it's funny. I think they flashed his stats. Uh, this was like the year anniversary of the trade uh, that brought him to Milwaukee, and um, you know, you just think back to a year ago. I mean, people. I think I think mentally, and when we've talked about it, but. Mentally, you don't really often, you know, you think about the 61 season, you just sort of think about the team you had at the end of the year. But obviously there were, you know, there were some, some pretty big changes with principally that, that Hill trade. Uh, and then obviously the, the Miritich trade uh, that happened at the deadline. And I mean, it's, again, when you talk about like the Bucks and how much better they are early this season versus where they were last season, I think they were 16 and seven in the first 23 last year versus 20 and three this year. I mean, you know, plugging in George Hill for Matthew Delvadova and, you know, apologies to any other uh, of Kane's countrymen out there. Um, I mean, that's, that's a big difference. That's a big deal. Uh, and it's funny because in the last year they flashed his numbers. I think George has only averaged like 7.6 yeah. points or something like that. Like he really has not, I mean, he's, he's been such a low usage guy uh, in general since coming to Milwaukee. Uh, he, he doesn't force anything really. Uh, but this year, I mean, shooting the lights out from three, um, hit a couple uh, of, I don't want to say like big threes. Or sorry, he was one out of two from three. Um, but I think it felt like he, I think he might have hit that one right when. Uh, and I'm, I'm, it was I'm a response to a, a magic. Yeah, story, yeah, I think it might have been a response to either probably Fournier or, or Ross hitting one of their one of their threes. Um, and it, it just felt like you know he just again. I mean, when you shoot whatever it is, fifty percent from three, um, you're just gonna you know you're gonna have have a lot of shots like that where it just feels like. Um, you know, they, they kind of really snuff out momentum, especially having that second unit, having guys who can do that, but four out of five from three, he had a couple of really nice drives to, um, just getting to the rim. I think it might've been in that third quarter. Yeah. Um, you know, just showing that, that even at his age and he's 33 now, uh, you know, he's still got enough quickness and obviously he's, he's got good size for the position, but he's still got the quicks, um, especially with the way he's shooting it. And then you got to mark him from, from three. Um, that that he's still a threat to get to the rim and finish, and we saw that obviously against the Celtics in particular last year, um, and, and at times against the Raptors. But but it's it's really important that he continue to do that. And um, you know you notice a little bit more with with Bledsoe not shooting much, not really looking for his shot, uh, and being a bit uh, dodgy maybe um, uh, offensively at times. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean I think the Bucks have. Uh, between you know him and and Bledsoe obviously being able to penetrate and then Dante as well as far as you know not necessarily a guy who has been finishing at the rim very well but just you know the fact that he's aggressive will will you know dribble and attack and kick um, I think it's just a nice you know again you don't have that star uh, attacking kind of typical you know shooting point guard that obviously a lot of teams are have been looking for and have you know obviously you know you think about the Curry's and the Dames and those guys obviously there's nobody like that on this Bucks team but um, for a Giannis centric offense um, you know Bledsoe's gotten really good at at that pick and roll rhythm pocket pass type play which we saw a couple times tonight and then George obviously uh, being able to be that stabilizing factor for the second unit I think I think his three point percentage since he came to Milwaukee is like 36 percent now but it, <laughs> it, it's funny because he was pretty much what 25% last year and he's like 50% this year in the regular season in Milwaukee. So he's, he's been uh, very, very cold and now hot. And obviously you kind of put it all together. It's probably much closer to, to where you expect, but I mean, he's a guy as we've talked about, I mean, he's a guy who has shot 
40% from three in that vicinity multiple times, uh, you know, during his career. So um, we don't expect him to be 50%, but, you know, yeah, you expect him to shoot with a high percentage, certainly much higher than, than we saw last year. Yeah, I, I was thinking about George Hill uh, during this game when he went through that stretch because I was like, well, he's just really become such a reliable player. And, and you sort of pointed to the fact that he, he's, he doesn't make too many mistakes and he always seems to be in control with the ball. And as soon as you mentioned that graphic that they, they put up there, I think it was uh, December 9 or whatever it was, that trade early last season. And I, I sort of thought that you were going to bring up the fact that he, he'd only averaged 7.6 with, uh, points with the Bucks because it's kind of a crazy number because a lot of people think about scoring and, and particularly with your uh, point guard off the bench. And Hill hasn't necessarily been a, a big-time scorer for the Bucks, but he's just been that guy that in moments will get you a three or he'll, he'll drive to the basket and, and, and either make the right pass or finish well. And it, it made me sort of wonder about his career because – you know, when you think way back to the San Antonio days and then the, the Pacers days, um, he was never in that like elite bracket of point guards, but he was always sort of that guy that you're like, oh yeah, he's like a borderline all-star talent. Like he's a, he's a really good point guard. And I think his career was, was or what people uh, sort of thought about him was tarnished so much by the time in Sacramento. And then anytime anyone thinks about that Cavs team, they think about the missed free throw late in the game. And then uh, on, a, on a really bad, Cavs team, he, you know, I just don't think he was very motivated to play there. And then he comes to Milwaukee. He was hurt. You know, I think that he's admitted that he had that sort of adductor issue, then something that he was carrying for a while. The Bucks shut him down for a little bit, and ever since, uh, he has just been a, such a key part of this team. And and I've said it before, but I think the way that George Hill played down the stretch and then through the playoffs last year completely changed sort of the course of what this team perhaps thought they were going to do in the, in the summer last year in regards to some of the decisions they made. But yeah, he, he, he really has just become a, just such a vital part of this team. And you saw again late today, Bud uh, down the stretch went with the George Hill, uh, Eric Bledsoe uh, backcourt uh, for the final minutes and, and Brooke Lopez w- was on the bench. But yeah, we've, we've said it before. He's going to be some, some playoff insurance when, when it comes around. Uh, even if everyone is healthy, if things don't go uh, to plan <laughs> with the starting point guard, then George Hill is a guy that Bud has proven before that he's happy to go to down the stretch. So, yeah, another another solid night for George Hill, even though the box score numbers don't jump out at you as anything crazy, but four for five from the field and uh, just a standard one for two from three, still over 50% from, from deep on the season. But you know, we've spoke a lot about Brook Lopez shooting threes, and you already pointed to the fact that uh, you know, Giannis certainly benefits in the assist column by passing to Brook when he's hitting them. Three made threes tonight for Brook. Didn't have a huge impact on the game other than that, but that's just the third time now, I believe, third or fourth time that he's, he's made uh, three triples on the season. His struggles have been sort of well-documented shooting the ball, but uh, it was good to see some of them go down tonight. I think as, as much as we, time as we spent on the last podcast talking about his defense, to see Brooke Lopez start to have some of these nights where he hits three and four triples is going to be uh, a real positive, not only for, for just him, but for the, for the Bucks' offense. Yeah, uh, and I just a uh, uh, friend of the pod, Kurt Leidinger, just submitted a. Uh, he asked if we could at some point cover like basically a ranking and like an off day, like a ranking of the entire roster, basically like who you know, basically from performance of of this this season, you know, basically who's who's had the best you know impact from top to okay. bottom. And um, 
we're not going to do that right now. I, I gave him my off the top of my head list. Um, but I, it's funny. I, I mean, we talked about Brooke and his defensive impact um, and how huge he's been. I mean, I would just posit this. I mean, you really didn't need him tonight. It was interesting seeing them go small. You know, no Vucevic. Um, the Magic went small. Obviously, Isaac and uh, and Gordon both willing to shoot threes. Maybe not extremely able all the time. Um, certainly didn't hurt the Bucks tonight from that range. Um, but we've seen the Bucks be willing to go with these small lineups. But even so, I mean especially with Chris having missed a good chunk of the season, you know, basically he's missed, well, not quite a third of the season, but um, you know, he's missed with those seven games. Obviously that's a pretty significant amount of the game so far. I, I would just say this. I think there is a very credible argument that Brooke Lopez has been the, the second most valuable buck yeah. um, on this roster this season. Now, I think you could also say that you could have made that case last year as well. And I think, you know, again, it's, it speaks to the bucks depth um, and, and how much Brooke contributes defensively even when his shot is not falling, um, that, that you can say that. And, and it should be pointed out too. I mean, it's not like he's been like a disaster offensively. I mean, his, his efficiency is, is low below average, you know, true shooting percentage like that, but it, they're not horrible even with his three point shooting having been bad, just because obviously, you know, he's, he's still an effective scorer on, on twos when he does take those. So, um, so yeah, I guess just a long way of saying shout out to Brooke Lopez, even though, you really didn't necessarily need Brooke Lopez that much tonight. But, um, you know, when you're just talking about Fult, it's like Brooke Lopez is like the best possible reason to like never bet against Markel Fultz against the Bucks. Like, you know, a point guard who just wants to get to the rim and doesn't want to shoot threes. I mean, that's just the kind of matchup that even yeah. though Brooke is not defending Markel Fultz, Brooke's existence near the paint when he's out there uh, it just, it just, you know, makes it really hard for guys like that because, you know, okay, you want to try and attack the rim, live in the paint. Good luck. You know, that's, that's just going to woo you into sort of that, that math game. And, you know, you just, you talk about, it. I think the individual plus minus numbers don't really reflect some of the stuff you saw. I mean, Augustine was minus 12 tonight, but certainly when they went on that run in the second half, um, you know, it was a lot of that was driven by, by just some of these guys like Augustine, just those two crazy floaters like <laughs> over Giannis weirdly um and Fournier hit threes pretty questionable I thought uh four point play in in the final minute uh like yes. I, I, I Bledsoe looked like he just hit him coming off a screen and then you know, he went up for a shot right after and um you know five years ago yeah I think that's an and one but just the way that supposedly the uh the way this rule is supposed to be enforced now it, this seemed like a very strange call especially at that at that point in the game. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was funny. You mentioned, I think they were oh what, 0 for 11, 0 for 12 or whatever to start the game. And then I think I saw that they went eight for their next 10 from three. <laughs> so uh, even though they still didn't shoot the ball great from three, as you mentioned, um, you know, the way they started, I would have not have expected them to finish 10 out of 31. And certainly the Bucks had a much better night shooting the, the ball from three. Uh, what they had 16, I think. Um, but uh but yeah, I mean, credit to the Magic. You know, defensively, they bother the Bucks enough around the basket uh, with that length. And you know, Isaac five blocks today. He's been phenomenal shot blocker this year. Even if he's not like a you know he's not like a just stand he's not a Brook Lopez style shot blocker. But uh, you know, we saw him and and uh, Gordon both able to bother Giannis when he's finishing trying to finish around the rim and. Again, Giannis eventually wears you down, and and you know Giannis hits another couple threes tonight. Uh, but you know, credit to those guys. I mean, 
there, there are not many players who can physically at least uh, challenge Giannis and, and at least make him really work uh, trying to finish around the basket and and uh, the Magic actually have a couple guys who can who can do that a bit, especially when you know Vucevic isn't around and they've got that that really mobile group up front. Yeah, I sort of want to change, and and it was a tweet from you that that made me think of this, and it was around the the end of first half, uh, sort of execution for the Bucks, and and I was thinking about that after that play, but I was also it was kind of like funny timing that I finished watching this Bucks Magic game, and then I flicked it over to see the Rockets and the Kings. And mm-hmm. at the time that I flicked it over, it was just like right when the, the final possession was about to, uh, about to happen. And the Kings beat the Rockets on a May 3 above the break from Bielitsa. And it made me straight away think, I mean, that was pretty basic. <laughs> like there, were, there wasn't a lot happening there. And late in the first half again, the Bucks. First of all, the first play is like fine. The the Bucks was throwing the ball around. It ended in Chris Milton's hands. He tried to pump fake, and then and then uh, got up and just threw the ball off the defender's leg. Which you know you know we we wish that happened in in the Utah game for starters rather than being called <laughs> for a travel. I mean, it's like come on. That's a when I saw that. But then the following play again, a tough Chris Milton shot, and you tweeted about it. I don't understand why the Bucks have such good plays out of timeouts and even uh, sideline out of bounds a lot of the times. And then when it gets to just late in the first half, late in the quarter, late in the game, that, that's all they, they draw up. I, I just don't get it. And watching that Kings game winner, I mean, we've seen before Chris Milton hit deep threes <laughs> to, to win games. Like, I, I just don't know why you would try and put him in that position with, with such a crowd in the corner, uh, the, the closest position to the guy inbounding the ball. I understand you probably think, well, that's an easy pass to make with limited time left. You don't you need to necessarily take a dribble, but... I don't know. I, I just don't know why they keep going back to that because as you pointed out, it doesn't ever seem to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot going on in that play either. Right? It was, I mean, I don't even think Chris had like a screen or anything. Um, it was just ended up being a really, really tough contested shot. Um, and I don't know. I mean, the Bielitsa play was interesting because uh, I, I don't know if PJ Tucker was supposed to be guarding him initially. I only saw, I, I was just, I turned that game on after this one. Um, basically one second left and um, you know obviously the Kings you assume the Kings are going to try to go to to Buddy Heald you know above all else Heald had just hit a a, a tough three-point shot to tie the game uh, before Westbrook hit a uh, driving layup to give the the Rockets a two-point lead Um, but it it was interesting because they ran enough of action I I think what happened was there was basically kind of like some sort of curling action and PJ Tucker you know ended up kind of kind of sort of hanging back a little bit because I think they were worried about, you know, maybe a lob over the top towards the basket. Uh, and then Bielitsa just basically like ran out, um, just basically popped back out and yeah. Tucker, you know, sort of then had to recover back and, you know, really couldn't get a tough contest on Bielitsa who, I mean, again, like, you know, a 40 foot or whatever that was three point shot. Okay. Not exactly like a high percentage shot necessarily, but in a situation like that, um, you know, feet set, clean look at least he was open that's yeah i mean that's at least a pretty good look i mean it's funny you know you think back to how many um you know in terms of like set plays and we've seen chris hit 
some game-winning shots like the Miami shot, but that was off a scramble mm-hmm. a few, couple of years back. The the um game, that Suns game where he had the out and in shot um when the game that Jabari tore his ace, first ACL. Um, but as far as like just drawn up plays, um, you know, the one that I come back to was the 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 Boston first round game one of the playoffs a couple <laughs> of years back where you know it was kind of like that i was like well they didn't really get what they want so chris just you know basically backed up and was 40 some feet you know <laughs> from the basket and he got a clean catch and put it up and lo and behold you know ties the game sends it to overtime um so yeah i don't know i mean it's an interesting thing right like a guy like brooke lopez um you know if he's if he were out in a situation like that and he's you know probably sets a screen and then do you bring some action where uh, you know, somebody's running to the basket, you know, so, you, you know, maybe his defender, if he's the big guy, presumably has to hang back for a second to, to defend the rim. Um, could you do something similar, right? Where, where Brooke Lopez, who obviously is, you know, not bashful about shooting long distance yeah. shots. Uh, could you run a play like that? But I don't know, whatever. Um, I, I would like to see some play that gets uh, either Chris Middleton, a shot that's not from the corner, heavily contested or somebody else in a clean look. Cause yeah, as you said, uh, the Bucks typically have some, you know, since Bud's come, have it's not like they've been a bad ATO team. I think they've generally had some some interesting looks, but for whatever reason, it does not extend to uh, to these end of game, end of half type situations with with really compressed time. And again, it's really hard to get a good look in a situation like that. But um, yeah, these are the kinds of things I guess we can complain about, you know, on a uh, on a whole hum, boring <laughs> nine point win night when you you're just you know, racking up these wins left and right. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, by the way, actually, this I, I wanted to bring this up with you, Frank. We, we, we've spoke a little bit about double-digit wins, and I think, uh, I, I don't know where we officially set the over and under, but I, I think last year, what was it, 45? Was it? 45, yeah. 45 double-digit wins. So, again, uh, they win by nine points tonight. <laughs> so that's uh, 11 double-digit wins on the season. They've now won by nine points four times, and they've won by eight <laughs> points twice. So... Uh, yeah, they're just within one basket of really uh, being in in with a shot with that uh, with that over and under and the, and the double digit wins. But uh, at the moment, it looks like it's uh, it's gonna be pretty difficult to catch that. But while we're talking about weird things to complain about, while the Bucks keep winning, <laughs> Carl Corver. Yeah, I wanted to talk about him. I just like because we've sort of just there's been so much happening and so many other things to talk about that we haven't really spoke about Corver, but. Over the last stretch of games, I think it was the, uh, it might be around the last 10 or 11 games or something like that. He's down to 12 for 45 from three, which is just over 26%. Uh, he started the season really hot and it was up around that 50% mark for the first couple of weeks, but he's been really struggling now. And it's interesting, he only played 11 minutes tonight, but Sterling Brown does continue to get DMPs. Now, he did have that uh, AC joint sprain. So, while he hasn't been on the injury list and they're saying he's healthy, maybe they're just taking some time to give him some more rest. But where do you think Kyle Corver's at now? Because when you think about it, I mean, if he's not hitting threes, yeah, he's a floor spacer. And we, we've spoke about the impact that Brook Lopez still has on the offense, uh, even if he's not hitting those threes. But Kyle Corver's certainly <laughs> a, a much more limited player than, than Lopez for what else he can bring to the team. I, I don't know. If he's not hitting his threes, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure whether you're, you're – is there much of a need to play him? I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, I think he came into the night still at 38% for the season. So, I mean, obviously... That shows how hot he was to stop. Yeah, I mean, he's still been a, a very good uh, a very good shooter overall. So, I mean, you know, again, like that... 
it's not like he's like in shot poorly overall for the season. Yeah. Um, Bucks with him on the court, uh, plus 8.3 points per 100. Um, so, you know, again, not that that says that he's been good. I mean, that's obviously worse than the Bucks, um, you know, are typically so, right. They've been worse with him on the court than, than on the court. Um, but, you know, I think the, the thing is, there's just a lot of nights, I think, where, you know, if he's out there, uh, you, you're going to have to get him out there when you can hide him at least reasonably yeah. well. And, I mean, I think the big limitation – I forget who it was against. He was he played in the early fourth quarter maybe a few games ago. And, you know, I think in situations like that, like, he's going to get hunted more proactively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going to see pick and rolls, like small, small pick and rolls or wing pick and rolls to try to get him – into actions that they're not, you know, they wouldn't run something like that in the second quarter, probably with a bench unit or something like that. Right. But um, as kind of crunch time comes and if there's actually, you know, like good wing scores on the court that, you know, they're going to look for him because he's obviously, you know, I mean, pretty much any lineup out there, he's going to be the worst defender. Uh, I don't think, I don't think there's anybody really close to him as far as, you know, limit limitations physically among kind of the wings. So, um, so I think that's just kind of the challenge is you know and this sort of was always a question with him is you know can you squeeze out uh some useful time from him during the regular season yeah probably you know um but i I do kind of worry a little bit um and this is always the problem with this was really the only issue with that signing right because i mean i think as far as like veteran locker room stuff goes obviously you love having kyle corver but um you know when push comes to shove uh if a sterling brown is healthy and I mean, Sterling hasn't been great this year, um, but I think he's been good enough that you'd say, well, you know, okay, like physically this guy obviously has, a, has an actual chance of, of competing in the playoffs defensively in a way that Kyle can't. Um, you know, uh, DJ Wilson obviously isn't a wing, but uh, he's obviously been squeezed out of the rotation whenever the Bucks have been healthy. Um, so you've got a couple guys there that, you know, if you do things a little bit differently, maybe you find ways to, to get them more minutes and, and not play Kyle as much. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he, he's had some, some good runs. I think, you know, putting him out there when like Giannis is not playing doesn't make much sense to me at all, just cause you know, that's obviously the guy that you want to, you know, really take advantage of spacing with. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, I think it's an interesting thing to watch. Um, and, and again, this is, you know, sort of that like first world problem of, oh, you've got like a really, you know. <laughs> you know established veteran player getting some some minutes and you're you know kind of not even it's not even like he's the first guy at the bench right he's like your eighth ninth tenth guy on, on a given night maybe um probably closer to tenth guy you know given the rotations uh and yeah that's probably stealing minutes from from guys that that are better have better long-term prospects um so you know again as far as manufacturing some turmoil during a uh 15 game winning streak yeah that's probably the kind of thing that I guess we can, we can manufacture, <laughs> but it's probably not, uh, you know, in the grand scheme, a, a huge issue, but, you know, again, kind of on the margins um, in a tightly contested playoff series, you know, that, 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 that can matter, right. Uh, if you're playing the Lakers or Clippers in the finals and, um, or, or, you know, the, the Sixers in the East finals, something like that. And, um, you know, Corver's playing real minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, whatever it might be. Um, you know, if you're losing those minutes and it's because he's getting hunted offensively or defensively and he's not hitting maybe the shots that you'd expect him to hit. I mean, we know all these things can matter, right? I mean, we saw Miritich, who's a much better player than Korver, 
pretty much play himself out of, you know, that Raptor series. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, playoff series are just a series of small samples. And um, <laughs> that could work in your favor if Kyle Korver has a random hot shooting game or two where he maybe helps shoot you to, uh, to a win or something like that. But um, you got to be very careful, I think, with, with guys like him who are, you know, sort of strict specialists. That's, that's that's pretty much where I'm at with Corner, Culver as well, and I, I'm glad you sort of mentioned the fourth quarter stuff because even when the Bucks signed Culver, I was like, okay, well, this guy is essentially a a three quarter player, and I don't know, I don't know whether how often that that phrase has been used, but I'm just not sure that he's going to be playable in the playoffs in the fourth quarter anyway, unless you are really desperate and you're like, okay, we need points quickly. But uh, we've seen this Bucks team blow blow teams away in the space of a, a two three minute stretch and. I still do think there's some value there of Corver. We know that he's obviously an elite shooter. And in this in the second quarter of a game, in a playoff game, if he plays five minutes and hits three or four threes, then uh you, you're going to take that. But yeah, it'll be interesting to watch with Sterling, you know, what happens there because I did also think coming in that Corver wasn't going to be a guy that was gonna be playing a huge amount of games. So he's been a pretty regular player to this point. Uh as I said, only only eleven minutes tonight. So it's not it's not a major uh you know issue or storyline with the team like you said it's kind of uh those first world problems when you won 15 in a row you're like oh well let's talk about the 10th man playing too many minutes over sterling brown but you know what i just wanted to mention the funny stat i don't know why but during this game tonight i was looking up when the when the magic were really struggling to shoot the the three i was like man this is like heading to be some sort of like record-breaking night and this has got nothing to do with tonight's game or nothing to do with anything really but it's just a random stat uh that in, in on march 6 1982 the bucks uh, played the Spurs and in a 171-166 triple overtime classic and the Bucks shot three for four from three. So uh, uh, <laughs> well, that, while I was uh, looking up some some stats to see what, what was the lowest uh, three-point makes the Bucks have had against them, that game was, uh, was kind of a, a wild one uh, to see there. But the Bucks, uh, Frank, I don't know if you've got anything else to touch on from tonight, but up to 15 wins. Uh, they're looking at matching now a couple of streaks from that title winning season where they had a 16 game winning streak and a 20 game winning streak in the, in the same uh, season, but uh, it just keeps on rolling on and a couple of winnable games before they get to the Mavericks and Lakers. Uh, they're just starting to get close enough where you could, you could think about that, uh, that 20 game winning streak, uh, the way they're going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny, right? Like at some point they have to lose. Yeah, they, they're and going to. And it's going to be, you know, this big disappointment when it happens. It's, you know, either it's going to be against a team that you, you know, definitely should beat, or it's going to be against one of these other really good teams that, you know, are going to be deemed like the Lakers game is obviously going to be deemed the potential finals preview question mark, question mark. Um, And, you know, again, uh, these games like we saw against the Clippers, right? Like give the Bucks a ton of credit, but, you know, I mean, Clippers also just kind of laid an egg. Like I don't think that's, I don't think that's the Clippers team you're going to see in in a potential finals matchup. You know from what we saw from them, um, and you know again, obviously, yeah, you want to beat all these teams, but um, you know again, uh, to me, it's it's all about you know the aggregate, and and I think just <laughs> it's very hard to to complain too much about the aggregate when when the Bucks are twenty one and three, and you know just. The, the numbers speak for themselves. Like the net rating just miles ahead of any other team, you know, well, well ahead of where they were a year ago. I don't, I don't, I mean, how do you keep this up for an entire season? I don't know. I mean, obviously um, 
have Giannis play 82 games is, is the, the <laughs> easiest storyline of that. I think I'm sure we'll talk later this week. They've got, uh, you know, this back-to-back coming at the end of the week uh, in a couple games that they should win. Um, so we'll, we'll refire, we'll fire up the, mm-hmm. what are the odds of Giannis uh, getting a DNP rest finally. But uh, you know, again, it, it played 34 minutes tonight and it felt like, Oh, they really had to stretch him out. So uh, that's obviously been nice that he hasn't had to necessarily play any happy minute load games um, recently. So, um, you know, just, just keep, keep, uh, keep racking up wins. This, this is uh this is just fine. You know, um, no, no complaints. Nine, nine point win. Okay. Maybe, maybe not the most impressive thing, but God damn it. We're going to record for an hour about it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking as this game was winding down, I'm like, okay, they won again. Uh, I wonder what it's going to be like when the Bucks lose a game, like what that podcast is going to, it's going to be depressing, man. I, yeah. because they haven't, when I, I, I looked up the dates because I, I sort of, it, it uh, uh, I forgot about the fact that they, they only lost that one game in November. So they've only lost one game since October 30. And we're like, we're not that far away from Christmas here. Like, it's just <laughs> absolutely absurd. To go from Halloween to Christmas, <laughs> you know, like you'd think you'd lose some games in that, in that uh, span. Um, but pretty remarkable. I mean, the Bucks not losing games. And then shout out to the Wisconsin Herd. Obviously, we don't talk yeah, about the herd much, yeah. but I mean, the herd are, are they up to ten or eleven straight wins as well? Yeah, um, you know, uh, Dragon Bender, my guy Ray John Tucker. Ray John Tucker has actually been pretty good. I've been I've been following some some box scores of lately. He's been doing some nice stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, Frank Mason had a big game the other night. Uh, Cam Reynolds, obviously the other the other two way guy. So uh, yeah, the you know, uh, shout out to Chase Buford, son of R.C. Buford. Um, I can't call that nepotism, I guess, because he's really figured some stuff out and getting that, getting that team to play at a high level uh, you know, down, uh, down in Oshkosh. So shout out to the herd. Uh, this, this organization, major league, minor league, they just, uh, they just rack up wins, just win baby. And um, it's, it's fun, fun to watch. And again, you just make sure, you know, you kind of enjoy it a little bit, you know, cause uh, I, I was looking it up. Um, so I think there've been four, franchises that have had back-to-back 60 win seasons this century uh and i think let me see it was the um i guess it was the uh spurs the celtics the warriors obviously and then i can't remember if it was the lakers or not uh there were four though oh no it was the uh caps the the like end of the first era lebron caps i guess um so yeah, it's it's hard to do, right? And and again, doing that does not guarantee you championships. The Spurs actually didn't win sixty uh, in that that two year window, or they didn't win a championship in the two year window when they won sixty. Obviously, the Warriors did it three years in a row. They won two championships in that time. The Celtics won a championship in the first year of that that string they had, and then the Cavs went to the finals once in that period that they had. So you know, again, not winning sixty consecutively doesn't guarantee you anything but um it puts you in some rarefied air i mean this you know you don't just have a nice story of like oh yeah you had like a good year you some stuff broke your way i mean 60 is hard and and obviously bucks are have not won 60 games yet this season but obviously they're trending in a pretty impressive direction especially given you know the benchmark from last year yeah, you remember the days, Frank, when we were always like, oh, I wonder if the Bucs can win 50 games this year. Like, 50 seems incredible. They've just completely <laughs> skipped that. And now they would have to finish, for the Bucs to win 
50 games this year, they need to finish 29 and 29. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so just 500 ball will get them to 50 win season, which remember when they won 50 games last year, how much of a big deal that was. And, and you know, nobody could believe that this Bucks team uh, had won 50 games after it had been such a, a down stretch. What was it? One time since the eighties with 50 wins. Yeah. And now, yeah, they we're here and in the middle of December and they need to finish 29 and 29 to get to uh, 50, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Cause my, my parents got season tickets, like basically right when sort of they bottomed out it was 92. My parents got season tickets. And so, yeah, my, my whole life as a fan, you know, it's pretty much that one blip of the, the 2001 team. And then every other year, I mean, you know, 46 fire fear the deer year. Yeah. was the best year other than that, right? And they made it past the first round once in that entire span. Um, so the way that they have just sort of – and, and I mean, I think Mike Budenholzer, I mean, the way that they have systematized everything that you just expect this now, and Chris Middleton's out, no problem. Plug and play. Dante, go out there. You know, do Dante stuff. Brooke Lopez doesn't play, no problem. Genetic equal Robin <laughs> Lopez, get out there. Do your thing, right? Um, so really, I mean, again, as long as Giannis is healthy, I mean, that's really just the that that feels like the only thing that you need to to really make this team win at an extremely high level in the regular season. And and other than that, you know, it's it's remarkable how much these other guys have bought in and and how Bud has been able to get them to play at such a high level on both ends of the floor. Um, so it's it's fun stuff. And uh, I mean, again, we we can tell you what we want about the regular season and what it's really worth, but. Um, you know, the, the league is founded on people buying tickets and watching, you know, games uh, during the regular season. And, you know, and obviously I think it means a lot, the MVP, stuff like that. You know, these things are, are meaningful. And obviously the Bucks and Giannis have, um, you know, have have made the most of it. And um, I guess we'll see here. Uh, we'll see. We'll have to make some decisions maybe this weekend if, uh, if they kind of play the long game a little bit, which I would not blame them for. But, yeah, winning streaks are fun too. All right, well, that seems like a pretty good spot to leave this, I think, Frank. I mean, we always talk about how we need to appreciate this winning streak and not get you know, caught up in, in little things and just understand that what we're seeing is pretty special. And some of those numbers certainly stack up, not just the 15 wins, but the, the overall record, what they've done since Bud has come in is just, it's incredible to watch. It's fun to watch. And it's, uh, like I said, it is just a really special stretch for this Bucks team. But... They do beat the Magic 110-101, 21-3 on the season. They join the Lakers with the NBA's best record. Pelicans up next, as we mentioned. They've got a day off in between. So we will be able to talk about that game a little bit more tomorrow and preview the Bucks looking to go for 16 straight. But Frank, enjoy your time in Vegas. Uh, behave. And we'll leave it there for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow.